0: nothing like grows or flourishes without that connection and yeah. that relationship so you know is the key thing and you can't expect young women or young people to trust you if you haven't spent the time getting to know them building that relationship them you know them knowing you you knowing them
1: You're listening to the Augmented Learning Podcast and Video Log. Stories from inspiring educators, leaders and influencers who are challenging the status quo. Today's episode is sponsored by My Study Series, an online learning platform supporting Kiwi teachers and students through NCEA. With automated self grading quizzes after every video, My Study Series ensures students receive immediate feedback on their level of understanding. Check it out now at mystudyseries.co.nz. Good morning, everyone and welcome to episode 63 of the Augmented Learning Podcast and Video Log where you're able to grow, learn and develop by accessing high quality PRD when you need it most. I'm your host Carl Condaliff and once again I'm joined by my co-host Celia Fleck. Celia, we're back in level 2 lockdown, we've had some community transmission. Uh, Auckland, is in le- Auckland is in level 3, has anything, your way of living, has it changed at all? Um,
2: Just uh, for our household there was no sport in the weekend, um, just they weren't able to kind of work things out to accommodate, um, well, it was supposed to be kind of a, a, a longer distance sport, not just within the city. So, um, yeah, so that just meant no sport. So that was a bit tricky and a bit disappointing for some, but otherwise not too many changes. Oh, back to working from home kind of fairly um, uh, well during Level 2, but, um, but yeah, that's about it.
1: We we are being a little bit more social distanced. Um, and then we were my family and I were doing a bit of shopping today and we were so we're scanning, you know, the COVID tracing app. We're scanning that everywhere we go. And we were about to head into more Wilson's and this dude just like came out of nowhere and was like, You need to you need to scan the app and we're like, Whoa, whoa, give us a chance to, to get in the get in the room first. So those are the only things that I've noticed. So it seems pretty much businesses as, as usual, but of course, Auckland is is locked down a bit more. So there's some, there's some really, ch- um, some big challenges there for those individuals. Um, and, and I really feel for some of those students too, who are now, we're seeing that there's not going to be a level playing field in terms of um, time in the classroom, which will be a challenge for them. This week, we've got Fran McEwen on, on the podcast and she's a colleague of yours. So what is your working relationship with Fran?
2: well there has been a little bit of um restructuring realignment i think was the actual term at sport nz but when i started so up until just recently fran was the young people's lead so technically i sat in her team Um, and that that there's just been that realignment so now it, it looks a little different but yeah, we we sit within the same team um, within the community sport team, which is also going to be renamed shortly um, at Sport New Zealand.
1: She, um, I'll get to to the episode in a, in a second, particularly around what you felt were were some of the, the the great points that she covered. But I wanted to share something that I thought was really interesting that she said, and she talked about um, forming relationships and how you need to form relationships with everyone. And it got me thinking about my classroom. And I know there's some research out there that says we don't spend nearly enough one-to-one time with our students. But I was thinking about my classroom. And often you'll have a really good chat with one or two people you know a group that might be sitting there and you have these great discussions and you're building you're doing this really awesome relationship building with them and i i was reflecting and going it's really easy to get this false sense of um relationship forming with that class as a whole so you you start engaging with these students and it's easy to go oh i've done a really good job of forming relationships today but i i think you know the point that and Fran was getting to was that you actually need to make a really strong effort to engage with everybody so if you've got a classroom there it's it's making an effort to talk to every individual in that classroom and that's building really meaningful relationships as opposed to you know just touching base with a few people there so that was a, a really good takeaway for me and something that I reflected on and can take into into my teaching practice immediately what were some of the really cool things that you you thought was were discussed during the episode?
2: I just love the way Fran is super passionate about working with young people and really making sure that they are part of the whole design process so it's not ever doing things to them or for them without including them along the journey and 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 making sure that you're capturing their voice and listening to their voice and acting on what they need so it's really understanding what they want rather than making those assumptions and and that to me was just um, yeah just so cool and I just think in terms of teaching um, you know we often get caught up in thinking we know what's best or we have to do it a certain way because that's what we've done before or because that's what we feel might be prescribed but I think there's a lot more that we could do in terms of designing the learning with our young people so that was that was what I find really super exciting whenever I listen to Fran talk about those kind of examples
1: yeah and she had some really good examples the Abra story I thought was was really funny Uh, And that got me thinking as well about the assumptions we make in the classroom too. You know, you you go from year to year and you, you think, okay, well, we've got a new cohort. So let's think about what our community needs this year and the challenges that they're facing. But again, it's easy to not. You know, we don't need to sit there and think about what our community is going through. We can just go straight to the student and ask them and say, hey, what are the challenges you face? What are the struggles you're having at the moment? And build that program around them instead of making those assumptions. So I, I thought that was, that was really good. And and probably um, most of the of the episode was spent around that student agency which is which is really powerful. So I think there's lots of really good takeaways in this episode Um, and I think the audience will really like it so let's jump into episode 63 with Bram McKeown. Uh,
2: uh, welcome everyone to this episode of the Augmented Learning po- Podcast and today I'm super excited to be joined by Fran McEwen, uh, my colleague here at SportNZ. So Fran is in the role of Active Recreation Lead and Fran also um, is the Voluntary CE for the Shift Foundation. So kia ora Fran, thanks oh. so much for joining us. Um, perhaps if you'd like to just start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure, um, so I'm Upper Hutt
0: born and bred and I'm very proud to be from Upper Hutt. Um, it's a beautiful place to be active and get out in green spaces. I have a dog, her name's Ollie, she's the love of my life and we live together in a hundred year old railway cottage. Um, what else about me? I love to travel um, so this whole corona and non-travelling thing has been very difficult for me. Um, normally I go to the Middle East about this time of the year where it's normally having heat waves and super hot. Um, but yeah, I just love to travel and experience other cultures. Uh, a lover of humans.
2: Yeah, so instead of that overseas travel, have you done any travel around Aotearoa, been to any new places? Not in the last...
0: Um, like over this period of time, yeah. Um, I've been relatively good at when I've got overseas friends coming that I'll go. I'll be a tourist in my own backyard and take them, to you around Aotearoa but. Yeah. Um, generally no I love leaving it feels like the only way I actually stop myself from working two jobs being volunteering for the Shift Foundation and Sport New Zealand is if I actually leave the country yeah um so yeah that makes a big difference for my well-being and obviously doing what I love which is traveling
2: yeah absolutely um so I first met you when you were kicking off shift um and that was when I first sort of understood your passion for young people, especially your passion for um, for women and girls. And now, obviously, you're in this role here at Sport New Zealand and our paths have crossed again, which mm-hmm. is exciting. Um, I listened to a lot of um, your commentary around listening to the voice of rangatahi and really including them in terms of co-design, so making sure that it's not just adults talking about young people doing what they think is best for young people. Can you perhaps tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So
0: SHIFT is premised on the principles of co-design, which is really about authentic um, youth engagement and involvement in designing whatever, whether it's a product or a service or a program, that actually the young people are front and centre in the whole process of doing that. Um, my experience has been is that you get better results from any human that's involved in the design and development of something that affects them. So why would young people be any different? And so Shift has used that as a way of operating. So an example would be we wouldn't um, create a physical activity program for young women by going, oh, we think that um, boxing and, or we know from some data that boxing and maybe going for a tramp are things that young people want to do. Well, actually, is it what they want to do? And so you're only going to know by working with them to design the programme um, and hear their voice and understand what's important to them and why they want to do what they want to do and then how do you make that possible and accessible and fun. Um, so I, these examples where, at Shift, where, especially in the early days, so we started in 2016, where we didn't co-design a couple of opportunities because we got really carried away and one great example is a tree climbing opportunity. So because Shift, when it started, was umbrella under Wellington City Council, Um, we connected with some arborists that worked in the park sport and recreation team and we got really excited about the idea that we could do a tree climbing activity in the botanical gardens and they'd get to, you know, young women would get to climb these massive trees and the women, the arborists, were actually world record holders for climbing from an arborist perspective and so we got so excited by this cool idea of like going into nature and tree climbing and sort of that connection back to your childhood that we just planned it all and at not, no no point did we actually say to any young woman is this sound cool or exciting and if it does then how would we market that to you or how would you connect to this or know about it or what would you need to know to come along you know we didn't ask any questions and so we turned up there on the day and it was literally just the shift coordinators, (laughs) and the arborist. And yeah, we had a great time, but there was no young woman because at no point have we actually answered any of their questions or asked them what they thought of the idea or brought them along on the co-design journey. Mm. So that's an example of where it's we haven't done it and no one showed up, which is common. And there's been other examples of that, um, especially in the early days when we would just run away with great ideas. Um, Now we would probably never make that mistake again because Mm. we've learned um, that that's just not the way to do things and that you need to engage the humans or the participants in the design of anything that's going to affect them.
2: Yeah. So a lot of the people listening to this podcast will be teachers. Mm -hmm. And I think about, um, you know, there has been a lot of talk around student agency for for teachers in education. And... It has been a really challenging thing for teachers to kind of let let go of um, what they think is best, what they think the young people need. So do you have any advice for educators, for teachers, in terms of really listening to that young people's voice?
0: I mean, I get it. I understand why it's hard. Um, And I guess an example from the charitable trust world would be that you're often funded for a predetermined output you know so you will apply for funding and say we're going to run x number of leadership programs with x number of young women and they're going to look like this but actually when you meet with the young women and you say hey what would a leadership program look like for you and they go oh actually it would look it would look like more about leading myself and understanding who i am rather than learning to do public speaking or so some of your mental models around what you think young women might need or what you think is leadership for example mm. Is not actually what they see as being all the skills that they want to develop. So I understand how it happens. And I used to be that person as well that would design programs for young women because I would think, oh, they need to know more about sexual health. They need to know more about mental health. They need to know about stress relief. Why? I don't know that they need to know those things. That's just my perception. So I've been the, that teacher or that person that... Um, wants to design for young women and I guess all I can say is that I've learned that you get better outcomes and the young women have a more positive experience and you build stronger and better relationships if you listen to them and you work with them to design something Mm -hmm. Um, so it's only through lived experience I've seen the positive impact that can it have by empowering young people to help you co-design or help co-create or build something together that you get even greater outcomes than what you would have had if you had just done to someone. And I guess the other way, the piece of advice or the way to think about it is how does it feel when you're invited to contribute to something? So as an adult, when somebody wants to hear your voice and they want to use your expertise and you feel that sense of you're giving back, which is great for your wellbeing, you're sharing your expertise, which is great for your wellbeing, mm-hmm. it does all these things to you personally. And so why would a young person be any different? They, would, they get those same positive feelings from contributing to the design of something. Yeah, um, so just put yourself in their shoes, it's that empathy thing, right? Yeah, Actually. That, that is
2: a great way of looking at it. Um, you also mentioned before in terms of that relationship, and um, I observe you in forming relationships, you're a very um, genuine but a very curious person, and it's really cool, like uh, the way you will question people to, to get to know them, and again, it's another thing that I think sometimes. As teachers, we can be a bit guilty about just wanting to get on with the business or get on with the content and and not kind of taking that time to connect. But that's just something that's so important, especially, as you said, when you're wanting to get the best out of young people. Um, Is that something that you've had to be quite deliberate about or or think about quite purposefully or is it just... Fran is. I think it's just who I am
0: and it probably comes back to that love of travel right and Mm. uh, meeting other humans that have different life experience so I just want to know lots of things. And I think because I am really open and transparent, people don't feel uncomfortable in the types of questions that they ask. Or I'll frame them in a way of like, I really want to ask this, but you might not feel comfortable telling me the answer, but I'm going to ask you anyway, but don't feel like you have to. You know, you're almost mm. like preparing them to not tell you. Um, so that's just a very me thing. But I guess another thing is learning that nothing like grows or flourishes without that connection and yeah. that relationship. So, you know, no natanga is the key thing. And you can't expect young women or young people to trust you if you haven't spent the time getting to know them, building that relationship, them, you know, them knowing you, you knowing them. You can't ask people to participate if there's no trust or there's no safety. So starting from um, that place of relationship building before you move into asking anything of anybody. Um, Is I don't know. I just think it's really important.
2: Yeah, and I often hear in education circles that phrase: "Young people won't care what you know mm. until they know that you care." Yeah, and it's so true, so true. So, um, you know, even just watching my own my own young people, my own boys, and, and the way that they connect or not with with their teachers or with significant adults in in their lives. And just, I guess, one other
0: thing is the amount of time it takes to build those relationships. So you'll meet some young people, especially and teachers, will already probably have somebody that, like, jumps into mine, that is super eager to connect and to know them and to answer questions and to be involved. But then there's other people... Well, young people that take a lot longer mm. and you have to base your like shift will base its work on building strong relationships with everybody in the group. So just because one person is ready to be connected and participate straight away, you actually have to bring everybody along on the journey. So you have to take that time to make sure everybody in the group feels that connection and that will be different across the board. And different cultures will respond differently as well. So mm. it comes back to that um, very much like individual but holistic approach and that everybody needs to feel Um, trusted part of the group connected with there's a relationship established before you can move forward as a group and I mean that will look different if you're connecting with one individual young person versus if you're bringing a group together but if you leave someone behind that'll be it for their journey you know if the trust hasn't been established then you've kind of lost right from the beginning.
2: Yeah yeah that totally makes sense. Um, You spoke when you were talking about your love of travel about having that break from work and just the richness of those experiences of travel being good for your well-being. Mm -hmm. Um, I know one other thing about you in that, you know, you really value physical activity in terms of supporting your own well-being and also the value that it can bring to other people. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you perhaps tell us a little bit about your sort of experiences around that? Yeah, so a pretty um, typical uh,
0: New Zealand child where I played you know, I did like ballet and gymnastics, and I played netball at primary school and all those kind of things that we kind of stereotypically think that lots of children in Aotearoa and New Zealand do. Um, it's not saying that that's what everybody does, but that was my experience of kind of, I guess, sport and growing up um, in Upper Heart, really close to Te Awakarangi, I mean, the river, I spent a lot of time in nature and swimming and climbing trees, and so that very quintessential kind of childhood. And then just like statistics still show, when I got to secondary school, I stopped enjoying participating in a traditional sport. So I played netball, um, I've been quite good at it, and then it got really competitive, um, there was bullying, and so I just was like, oh I'll still maybe play, but it'll just be social. So I just dropped out of that kind of traditional um, competitive type of sport. And then I guess as I as I got more into my teenage years, my sort of some of my mental ill health started to surface Um, and I was less motivated to really do anything connected to physical activity. And so it just sort of lost its place in my life for quite a long time. Um, And I think when it's gone, you forget the benefits that you have of, you know, team sport, being around others or playing with your friends, um, doing any type of physical activity, you forget what that does for your mental health and your sense of well-being. So I just completely lost it from my life. And it wasn't until I was in my mid-20s, I was living in Adelaide in Australia and I um, decided that I wanted to quit smoking and I thought the only way to do it is if I replace it with doing something so I decided to start trying to run around the block and I'd always been a good runner but I'd forgotten that I actually enjoyed running or that I was any good at it and so that's kind of when the journey of running in my life began again and it was um, just started by literally doing one loop around the block and then getting better and Um, enjoying it more and more because it gets easier right it's not it's not easy to restart physical activity Mm -hmm. um, when you haven't done it for a long time and yeah I think I just felt the benefits that it was having both physically how good I felt about myself but also mentally what it was doing for my um, ability to decrease the amount of medication that I was taking um, how it just kept me much more in balance and so it's been something that I sort of rediscovered in my mid to late 20s and now I'm a a keen long long distance runner um, and it still comes in picks and troughs um, and sometimes I can still forget to prioritise it um, especially if my mental health isn't great um, it's one of the first things that will go but then when I have that realisation I'm pretty quick to go like that's one of the ways in which I um, can improve my mental health and wellbeing and so I try to reintroduce it as quick as possible but I definitely from a personal lived experience know the benefits of physical activity and I think the key thing is about finding the physical activity that does that for you because not all physical activity has you don't feel that about everything that you do so it's a matter of being brave enough to try a whole lot of different things especially when you're a young person and finding the thing that really um, makes you feel great that you enjoy and for some it's traditional competitive sport and for others it could be yoga or going to the gym um, could be going for a walk could be tramping it really just depends what it is that makes your heart sing and for me personally it's running.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting because we are noticing those um changing trends in participation and what young people want to do and that they don't necessarily just want that traditional formal sport experience. They don't want to have three trainings a week. They don't want to have that competitive model. They they want to be able to access other opportunities. Um and I guess that's where your your role now is going to be important in terms of um, activating some of those opportunities and communities for young people. Do you think, um, or not do you think, but what role do you think schools, and particularly perhaps secondary schools, if we think of that drop off in participation for young people at that age, so both um, physical education teachers but also in that school setting, what could they do better do you think? so
0: I guess you'd start with like co-design what
2: Mm. that might mean for so let's
0: say your outcome is that you want to increase the participate or the physical activity levels of um, young people in your school so where do you start like first you need to have a conversation with young people around. So if this is what we're trying to achieve... I mean, the first conversation is, do they they see the value of physical activity? And you'll get some that will be like, yeah, absolutely, because I love it, and I'm sporty, and I'm whatever. Then others may not understand the value of it because they've never found the thing that makes their heart sing. Mm -hmm. And so often it's around... them being able to try different things in a safe environment to find that thing that they love. And sometimes that might not be in their PE um, clothing or it might not be in a um, in a co-ed environment. It might be that it needs to be um, just young women or just young men participating in something. Like, And you won't know until you actually talk to the young people. So mm-hmm. that's where I would start is that, You know, you need to understand what what do they think and feel about physical activity. What do they love and not love? What are the challenges? What are the barriers? And you're only going to do that through having you know some good conversations. And then, what's the opportunity for um, any type of extra programs or activities or things to be happening at lunchtime? Where's the opportunity to co-design that with the students? And I think the key part there is not co-designing it with the extremely sporty and really enthusiastic students. It's around what are the ones that. Often sit quietly to the side. Why don't they feel able, or why don't they want to participate? And I think there's also a realization that there will just be some young people that are really not into physical activity, and that's okay. They're, they mm-hmm. might have another creative outlet. Yeah. Um. But I often, and I've heard young women say this through shift, is that they didn't know that they would enjoy something so much until they had the opportunity to try it. So the more diverse opportunities there are, so whether that's incorporating more dance into um, schools, whether that's finding out what are the different things that they want to try, like have they been surfing, if they tried stand up paddle boarding like Wakaama, like what up there's such an amazing diverse array of providers and opportunities out there. It's a matter of how does the school connect to those opportunities outside and bring them in and work together for young people to find the thing that, that they really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think until you have those conversations it's not making the assumptions that putting on a lunchtime netball tournament is gonna to, or volleyball tournament is going to be what drives young people to participate in the school setting. It's going to be talking to the young people and then co-designing an activity or a program that meets their needs.
2: Mm. I remember that that reminds me of an example from the last couple of years working in the Upper Heart community with the Play.Sport initiative and um, one of my colleagues working in one of the secondary schools there he, he did take the time to just go and talk to some of those non-participants during the lunchtime who was kind of sitting around and um, and perhaps not kicking a ball around on the field or, or whatever. And from those conversations generated just a drop-in table tennis opportunity. But then the young people themselves approached him having decided that actually they were quite enjoying it and could perhaps they started a competition, but it was completely led by those young people and by the participants, which which I think, like you said, is where you achieve those best outcomes.
0: And he obviously, he took the time to build, again, it's like, he took the time to have the conversation, build the relationship, yeah. set up what they asked for, yeah. turn up every week with the table tennis, yeah. you know, being there, being like, come on, let's have it, you know, like that constant, like, I'm not going anywhere, I'm going to be here, I'm, I'm listening to you, I'm responding to what you've asked. Mm. You know, so often young people tell us, they give us their voice, they gift us with their ideas and their expertise, and then we go, oh, thanks, that's great, and we don't do anything with that information. Yeah. So this example is where this teacher, or this person has actually gone five through And then it's the next thing that generates from that, which is magic.
2: Yeah. And and you're absolutely right about, you know, if, if we're going to take the time to collect that voice, to, to get to know our young people, to listen to them, then we have to be prepared to do something with that. And we might not always kind of like what we hear, but <laughs> we have to be, um, I guess, in partnership with them in that process and show, like you said, that we are committed to to following through.
0: Yeah and so yeah two things on that so one I mentioned funders before you know they want to know the output what you're going to deliver before you've done the co-design and that's not it's really hard Mm. to change the system which funds like physical activity or youth development programs is that you know it's like well what are you going to do how many people are going to turn up and what's going to happen it's like well if you take a co-design philosophy you don't actually know what's going to happen until you've sat down with the group of young people or young women that you're going to be co-designing with and listen to what they want to do as part of the opportunity. And I think that's you know, that that's something that needs to shift in so many areas, like government funding, um, community funding, schools. Like You've got to recognize that until you work with the group of people, you don't necessarily know what the outcome is going to be. And then the other comment i say is that um, I've heard people say, you know, young people don't know what they want. <laughs> You know, it's like if even people that are listening right now think about whether you've ever had that yeah. in your, inside your own head, like yeah. they don't actually know what they want. Or they don't know
2: what's good for them. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <You> know, it's <laughs> such a common, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a mental model that we have. Yeah. And it's actually, have they been asked? You yeah. know, like they do know what they want. They sometimes just don't know the boundaries or the parameters around that. So, an example would be, you know, saying that sometimes you'll ask young people like oh what would you if you want let's say if you could do any physical activity what would it be and they might say something like oh let's have a roller coaster at school or you know like it'll be beyond the realms of anything that you can possibly achieve Mm. but if you're deeply listening and you delve a bit deeper and again this comes to curiosity and question asking you start to understand that the thing that's associated with the idea of the roller coaster is actually like might be danger or risk or bravery Um, Or fun you know because those are the words that you might associate with that so when you dig deeper and you start asking them questions around so why that and what about this and how could we emulate something that's not that but that's like that you might end up that it ends up being whitewater rafting that is achievable Mm -hmm. so it'll go from a roller coaster but as you if you actually take the time to keep questioning and keep uncovering and keep digging you'll find that what they really want is something risky and something they've never done before Mm -hmm. and so you can you can provide that in a in a much more tangible way like going whitewater rafting so that's just like a random example but you know they do know what they want they might not be able to say it's whitewater rafting but they'll be able to give you all these creative and wonderful ideas and then your job as the facilitator of the conversation and the co-design expert is to just kind of break that down and figure out what it is and um yeah
2: Well, thank you for your all um, today. No, I've kind of got to the end of my questions, but is there anything else that you'd like to add that we might have missed or anything you'd like to ask me?
0: Um, I think just one thing I'd like to add um, would be, you, you did touch on it, the fact that, things are moving, the way in which young people want to participate is changing and so Sport New Zealand has their active NZ survey that they, the rolling survey that's done with adults and young people and the data for that over the last um, couple of years has really showed this sort of, there's still sport um, that they want to participate in but it's less competitive. And there's also just a lot of active, what we would call active recreation, things that young people want to do. So it's that scootering, skateboarding, cycling, walking, running, going to the gym. Um, and so I think it's really important to recognise in a school setting that if if those traditional sports are not the things that lots of young people are wanting to do, then how do you change your offerings or change the way you do things to start thinking? A asking the young people, well, what is it that you want to do, and how can we adapt what we offer to meet those needs, Um, or how can we work with partners outside the school to come in and help us provide some of those opportunities. But I think just really increasing that awareness that things have changed and Mm. um, wants are different and we need to respond to those in order for young people to maintain that love, if they have it, (laughs) of being active and I mean ideally they're not going to be like me. Where they drop off entirely and don't rediscover something for years and years. If they can find something that keeps them motivated, mm. that they want to do, and they can just continue that level of physical activity, um, it just makes such a great, a huge difference to everybody's like individual sense of well-being.
2: Mm. And collectively, as as communities as well, it's Absolutely. it's better for us all, right? Yeah.
0: And I guess my question to you would be, with your like deep knowledge of how the education system actually works what are the barriers to it being more like that when it comes to um, the offerings inside a school setting around play active recreation and sport so knowing that there's such a diverse range of needs why are we not doing why are we not able to and I'm sure there's some great things going on in schools Mm. but why across the board are we not able to really shift away from that traditional view and start incorporating um, a the voice of young people yeah and then B a much more diverse offering
2: uh so three things came to mind when you when you said that one was around what is funded another one is around what is measured in the school and another one is around just that very traditional idea around what does success look like in a school in terms of um those trophies on shelves, right. you know, that is if that's where the priority is for the school, then that's where the the money and the resourcing will go. So um, and and then when I said about what is measured, I think taking a more holistic approach to um, our young people being active and not just measuring, okay, yep, they represented the school in this team or they rep you know, so I think that that's things and Yeah, it really is schools taking a look at what they value, what's best for young people, um, and just challenging some of those ideas around, this is how we've always done it, this is how we'll keep doing it, or actually, does it need to change? So, yeah, take some brave, bold leadership in schools to make some of those changes, but there are definitely those people out there yeah. and that is happening which is really exciting for our young people um, and great that there's such um, you know leadership and um, vision from, from Sport New Zealand in terms of influencing not just that sport but that play, that active rec, um, uh, physical activity sectors as well. So. Yeah, so thanks again for, for joining me today. I um, really appreciate you. Kururu. Great to hear from you. Um, and yeah, all the best with your new role. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> You're welcome. See ya.